Hey, what's going on, everybody? Matt Hofeld here. We're excited to bring you a brand new episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. And I just got to throw out a really quick disclaimer before we start. In this episode, we're going to talk extensively about Oklahoma football recruiting, particularly Caleb Williams and his upcoming announcement on July 4th. That said, one of the players that I specifically talk about, Keon Coleman, I even go as far as to make the prediction he will commit to the University of Oklahoma on July 4th, along with Caleb Williams. I even talk about Keon, Keon Coleman playing basketball and how Long Kruger is benefiting from Oklahoma football recruiting. And just as things just happen to go the way they go, as soon as we wrap up the podcast, get ready to produce it, it turns out 24-7 Sports is actually predicting now that Keon Coleman will go to Kansas. Yeah, that's right. Kansas. You heard that right. Kansas might actually win a recruiting battle against Oklahoma. Now, there's a couple of things that you can take into heart or take into consideration with this. Number one, Keon Coleman wants to play basketball. And if you're wanting to play basketball and play at a high level, then one of the best programs in the nation resides in the Big 12 in Lawrence, Kansas. So that makes sense. But the other thing is, without putting the cart before the horse and spilling the beans, there's other rumors about a five-star recruit coming to the University of Oklahoma and dropping a bombshell-type commitment this weekend or soon after. And that also could play into Keon Coleman's decision, a four-star recruit, the number five overall player from the state of Louisiana, that could play into his decision to go somewhere else. Now, it's not a guarantee he's not coming to Oklahoma, but it definitely looks like he's trending a little bit further north to Lawrence. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy this episode and Boomer Sooner. Absolutely knew were going to happen, have happened now. Oklahoma players are back with summer workouts starting on July 1st. And wouldn't you know it, there is positive coronavirus tests that are coming out of the program. Again, something we fully expect, something we've already talked about. In addition to that, budget cuts have been made. Oklahoma announces that its athletic department is about $14 million dollars. In the, in the red. So what are they doing? Well, they're cutting back on some of the coaches' salaries to get things started off, as well as a couple of other areas. Um, welcome to the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Let's get this thing started. Rich, let's start with uh, which is the bigger story, COVID-19 test or budget cuts? You, you pick what we talk about first. Man, I, I do have to believe it's budget cuts because I think it's a telltale sign of potentially what could lie ahead in the future. When you begin to look at the conversation that was surrounding the beginning of the season, we knew that Missouri State was planning to move forward as if they were not getting that paycheck from playing the Oklahoma Sooners at the beginning of September in Norman. And so again, I I, I have to go with the budget cuts being that, that bigger story, not because of where they're cutting the money, but because of the fact that it is simply happening. And it's something that I think a lot of people expected. But what are the further reaching consequences of such decisions? Because once that ball starts rolling, it's hard to stop it from moving downhill. Well, yeah, it shows where you are. You, you lose spring sports. So you lose the NCAA tournament. You lose the Big 12 tournament. You lose the softball. You lose, which means most likely, you know, hosting a regional and maybe a super regional. You lose a chance at the at the Women's College World Series. Let's not forget, baseball was pretty salty, so maybe you're hosting a regional with baseball as well. You lose a lot of money. Now you're you're going into the summer, and you're looking at fall, and you don't know what's happening. And, I mean, I like the way that they've handled it to this point. You take all the coaches who make a million dollars or more, and you take 10% of their salary. Yeah, and not just coaches. I mean, athletic well, director athlete, Yeah, I mean, included. Joe Castiglione's included in that. But, I mean, that means, like, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley, uh, Alex Grinch. Um, you look at Sherry Cole. You look at Long Kruger. And I, and Patty Gasso. I, I believe that's the five coaches 
in that in the department that make a million or more. Plus, you add Castiglione in there. I mean, you got to come up again. You got to come up with almost fourteen million dollars. To me, this indicates that they're going to continue to move forward with doing everything possible to make sure this football season works. Because the next thing you've done now, you you guys at the top have taken their cut. So the next step is going to be to start cutting sports. You start looking at non-revenue sports, and there goes your tennis program. There goes soccer. There goes you know some of these other minor sports that are minor to us because we don't run track and field and we don't have anybody that's related to us who runs track and field, but track and field costs a lot of money. I did like and appreciate the transparency that the university put out here with this. And I love the fact that they, they said that holding, holding the scholarships, honoring the scholarships is a priority with this. And it should be because that's ultimately what entices an individual to attend a university, whether it's for academic reasons or whether that is for sporting reasons. But here's the question that continuously pops up in the back of my head is with the cuts being made, you've mentioned the number of $14 million. Is it really a a sign of what Oklahoma has made a decision on or is leaning towards making a decision on when it comes to the fall and being at capacity in the stadium. We know that football is the breadwinner of the University of Oklahoma. We know that it's going to continue to be, especially on its current trajectory. But with those cuts, are they, without saying anything, are they essentially saying we're going to be at 50% capacity or less once the fall hits. Yeah, let's talk about that because uh, 14 players and coaches, a combination of tested positive for having the Rona. And um, that's, you know, seven of them they knew about. Seven of them happened just recently with the, with the positive test since the players returned to campus. And then two of them already recovered. So there is good news there. But, I you know, people – People are still kind of pushing that panic button anytime there's the uh, anytime there's the announcement of a of a positive test. You hit that panic button and you know, oh there goes the season and there goes this. I don't think that means any of that, but what I do think it means is that it increases every time you have a situation like this. It increases the percentages that will have football without fans or with very few fans. Um. And so, yeah, because they, they talked about the, the, the university in that release about their budget cuts. They talked about the fact that precautions and steps that they have to take for the coronavirus are contributing to that almost $14 million deficit. And so the, some of that could be testing. They're going to be testing these players on the regular and some of that could be loss of revenue from ticket sales. Right. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, if you made me bet money right now, I would not bet on there being a stadium of 85,000 plus people for that first game, second game, third game, all season long. I, I just, unless there is this vaccine that's released. And even at that, let's say they release a vaccine in September or October, you're still not going to get a full stadium. Because you're not going to get a, you're not going to get enough people who have been vaccinated for this to make it safe again. So I just the, the more we move into this, I'm not surprised, not surprised at all by the positive test. I mean, Lincoln Riley and the university they had they had protocols in place for this. I I, I don't think Lincoln Riley sat down and kind of scratched his head and thought, wow. 14 people within our program tested positive. Never saw that coming. I think the reason why they were pushing things back to July 1st so that they can make – so that they can <laughs> – so that they can make the proper preparations for situations just like this. Now, the question, though, for me with the team is what does this do for the season? Because there's zero chance – I'm telling you, zero chance – that the Big 12 is going to play a full season of football and no players test positive for this. So if you're Lincoln Riley, who do you bubble? Do you bubble like you're, you're starting offense and you're starting defense and maybe a, a few key guys on the two deep? Do you bubble half of your team, 40, 45 players, and just, just say, look, guys, this is, this is where you got to be. You got to do your absolute best because, look, Spencer Rattler, we love Tanner Mordecai, but you're the guy. 
and we can't win without you. Oklahoma is the only team in the Big 12 with five returning linemen, offensive linemen, with starting experience. Can't live without those guys. So what do you do? I mean, and that's this is, I mean, everything, and we've talked about this, everything about this is unprecedented. And I think back to, um, I, I, man, I, I probably should have looked this up before I opened my mouth. I'm pretty sure it's Jim McKenzie. He was like the first Oklahoma coach to take his team on a road game in airplanes. And so he did not put his starting offense and his starting defense on the same airplane, <laughs> you know, because he was afraid of, of what would happen if the plane crash. I mean, that's a very drastic thought. But if you're Lincoln Riley, you've got to be thinking about isolating some of your guys. All online classes, hunker down and, you know, check. Here's your checkpoints. Because this is this again, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find out through this which teams have totally bought in, which teams have totally bought in to a championship mindset. Because it's not going to be the starting quarterback, starting defensive tackle, it's not going to be anybody in the top 22 on your depth chart. It's going to be that guy who is the Walk on, back up, safety. The Rudy of your team? Really. I mean, it's going to be that guy who's like, oh, I'm never going to play anyway, so I'm going to go to the lake for 4th of July. That's the guy that's going to bring it into your program. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, from from the most from the All-American in Creed Humphrey to that very last guy on the roster, you have to be fully bought in to protecting yourself and protecting your team. And even at that, the odds are against you. You're going to make it through the whole season without having somebody pop. I do agree. And honestly, I really think you hit the nail on the head when you begin to talk about what what portion of a team do you bubble, classes being online. What we don't know here in Oklahoma and across the nation is whether students will return to campus for a full slate of classes. Now, I've seen arguments for both sides I've seen arguments from different camps, but ultimately it's not anyone's decision outside of that that school board, mm-hmm. the superintendent, et cetera, who have all who all have influence on those situations. We'll see whether public schools, whether that's high school, middle school, elementary return, but even at the collegiate level, you have to wonder what's going to happen. And because of that, I do believe if everything moves to an online format, I know schools here locally around me have already decided that they're going to give five options um, as a state. And then the school has taken three of those options saying you can go to class full-time, you can go to class part-time and the other half of the time you're doing online, or you can do everything online. It's, it's hard. Well, you've got to have, you've got to have, you've got to have uh students on campus to have football. So that, I mean, the classes are going on campus. Classes are going to be a thing. Am I real? See, I don't, I don't agree with you though. Why, why do you have to have students on campus to have football? Well, because your football players are students, right? I get that. So the student athletes, you essentially consolidate them to a single dorm. They all live in the dorms. The cafeteria is provided, and I get it, Matt. It's it's really hard to regulate because that almost becomes a restriction of movements, which I don't. I'm I'm not in favor of telling someone that they can't leave a location, but at the same time, at what 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 risk are you willing to assume, and how far are you willing to go to protect a season, to protect a scholarship, even to protect the the team as a whole? That, there's a lot well, of tough questions that'll have to be answered. That's what I'm talking about. From the, from the All-American to that last guy on the roster, you've got to be bought in. If if they if the coaches have to stay on top of the players, don't take that risk. Don't do that. Don't go to that party. If the coaches are always sending that message to try to keep the players in line, it's not going to work. You're going to endanger your team's chances of winning a championship. But if the players are policing themselves, mm-hmm. look, th- th- think about this. If I'm If I'm just a guy I'm on the team, but I'm just a guy on the team. I could be an incoming freshman. I could be a senior. I'm just a guy on the team. And Lincoln Riley tells me, Hey guy on the team, don't go to that party this weekend. I heard about it. Don't go. Or if Creed Humphrey gets in my grill and says, 
dude, I heard your thing about going to that party. I just want you to know if you go, you're going to have to deal with me. I'm listening to Creed Humphrey a lot more than I'm listening to Lincoln Riley. Because I've, I, there's a chance I'm going to be on the same practice field with Creed Humphrey padded up for something. Right. So the, the, the players have to police themselves and hold each other accountable. And that's what I'm saying. You're going to find out which teams across the Big 12 have bought in and which te- uh, nationally even. Because you know it's coming. If the season starts in the fall, you know it's coming where you're going to have that game and this team has X amount of players not available because of coronavirus. It's already going to be hard enough other than to take those extra chances. Mm-hmm. And the only way you really prevent that is for the, everyone to be bought in and there will be accountability amongst the team. The crazy part about the whole conversation, Matt, is I feel like here at the University of Oklahoma, we're a month behind the curve. Whereas other people have really – other teams, other programs, other individuals, coaching staffs have gotten into the habit of – what I would call a routine at this point in time. Sure, classes are not being held, but they are doing voluntary workouts on campus. These other programs, as I've mentioned, have already formulated some kind of a habit, some kind of a routine, because they've been doing it for 30 days, whereas the University of Oklahoma, we're <laughs> we're just a couple days into this thing. And so it, it, it is a little bit new. It is There's still that uncertainty that exists and how things will be handled. But I do believe one benefit of this whole thing is that Lincoln Riley and the rest, even Joe Castiglione, will be able to lean on a lot of the information that's been gathered by other programs. It's these guys, they they run in the same circles. Mm. You know, it's not as if just because you're competing on the field against one another, you don't maintain relationships. You do. And and we see that week in and week out. So they'll be able to lean on these other individuals and glean a lot of that information from them on on what to do when, not an if, but when something a positive test does occur of someone who's been on campus for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that's that's all I think we're we're saying the same thing. And I'm not at all worried about Oklahoma not starting their their workouts until July first. Lincoln Riley knows his team. Lincoln Riley was kind of spearheading this movement to, to push everything back to the latest possible date. Lincoln Riley knows when he needs his guys, and he needs them July 1st. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all. Okay, we got some big recruiting stuff we got to talk about. Of, of course, Caleb Williams is about to make his announcement in just a few days. But then there's also some breaking news about a potential big, big, big time wide receiver commit that could be coming Oklahoma's way. Caleb Williams is going to make his announcement on July 4th. There are going to be some other guys who will make their announcements with him. We're going to talk about that. Um, but here, here's the thing. Right now, Oklahoma has some pretty pretty good recruits and that are actually committed at the wide receiver position, including one Mario Williams who is by based on based on which service you look at Mario Williams is one of the top if not the top receiver in the 2021 class. Hey, did you see his tweet by the way speaking of Mario Williams? He mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen even the top 5 when it comes to the recruiting rankings. Oklahoma's not oh, yeah, one, yeah. Oklahoma's yeah, not one of those. No, but this is what we've been talking about. Right. Yeah. And so it comes out Mario Williams say things are about to change. Which, again, hints at this meteoric rise through the recruiting rankings for the Oklahoma Sooners. There, There is something building here, and I know that's what you're hinting at. Right. I, I'm not going to jump in and spoil the news. I'm going to let you tell that. But there is something building here, and we, we will have one set of fireworks locally wherever you live and another happening on the recruiting trail. Well, and I think it's going to happen fast. I think after Caleb Williams makes his announcement, I mean, it's going to be a a fast gathering information of commitments that start on Saturday. And one of those guys could be, you got something to say before? No, yeah. I just wanted to ask a quick question and interject this because <laughs> you said it's, there's going to be a lot of information. You know that, that Caleb Williams is set to commit at 8 PM. Do you believe uh, anyone will commit before that? I think, or is it going to is it going to come after the I fact? I think most of it's going to come after the fact, but because that the big secret is Caleb Williams, right? And, again, and you and you said Saturday, which lends a hand to the after the fact, right? Argument, so, but I, I I do know Keon Coleman is going to commit on Saturday. 
Um, and I, I don't know at what point he does. Again, another highly touted wide receiver. Um, so I, I don't know. But again, after after you get that Caleb Williams commitment, I do feel like, and I've said this all along, these guys want their moment. So I don't think I don't think Caleb Williams is going to say, "Hey, I'm committing to the University of Oklahoma, and Keon Coleman's coming with me." I, right. I don't think it's going to be that kind of moment. I think it's let Caleb have his spotlight. And at some point, Coleman's going to commit. And then you're going to see some of these other guys commit. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But one guy who may be committing with them is Amika Agbuka. This is if, if, if Mario, if Mario Williams is not your number one, then Agbuka is your number one. Right, right. Right. And if Agbuka is your number one and not your number one, the Mario would. So it could be Oklahoma getting the top two receivers in this class. And I've always said, and I still feel like he's going to Ohio state, but there's just been this silent building of mm-hmm. Agbuka and Caleb Williams being connected and that he could be kind of one of those guys that shocks the world, so to speak, once all this stuff starts rolling. Well, Brian Bishop of 24 seven sports believes that Emeka Egbuka is going to be one of those guys that commits with this wave of guys from Caleb Williams. So much so that he gave Egbuka a crystal ball prediction, not just like, hey, he's going to go to Oklahoma, but a, you know, they ranked those predictions, you know, one to 10, with 10 being the most confidence. He ranked him at a seven, which is pretty high in confidence. It's the most recent crystal ball prediction that we have for Egbuka, which is good because it's the most recent crystal ball prediction. But then again, it's one out of 10 crystal ball predictions. The other nine are going towards Ohio State. But this would be this would be that type of thing. You're talking about Mario Williams in his tweet about this this rise of the draft of the uh, of the recruiting class. This would be one of those things that really bumps them up. Can you imagine getting Caleb Williams and Egbuka to go along with what they've already got? I mean, this is this is historic type stuff that changes this team from being a fringe top 25 right now to a top five. I can see the dominoes falling in place. One of the key components, in my opinion, as we look at Egbuka and potentially landing at the University of Oklahoma was the loss of Christian Leary, mm-hmm. someone that yourself included considered to be a lock right. for Lincoln Riley in this offense. That's not the way things shook out. Needless to say, Matt, going back several conversations now, you and I had debated the number of wide receivers that Oklahoma would potentially take in this specific class. My number being a little bit higher, but knowing that Christian Leary is off the table, Mm -hmm. there is still a vacancy for a wide receiver. I do need to point one thing out. I'm not going to discredit you when we look at the odds. We have 10, 10 predictions out there, one being undecided, one being for the University of Oklahoma, the rest being for Ohio State. The gentleman, Brian Bishop, who is making the prediction in favor of Oklahoma, is one in six on the year. Okay? Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring one, that up. One in six. But, but, I so. mean, but look, I did, I did say. Hey, excuse me, that's all time. Yeah, He's one in three. On yeah, the year. you can't. Well, uh, that it has to be last year because, well, I guess commitments are still there. But anyway, um, I, I did say at the beginning of that that I still feel like Egbuka is heading towards Columbus. I mean, I, I you did I, say that. There, there's you enough. That. There's enough here to to raise an excitement level, but I don't believe there's enough here. To really, to, other than to say, other than to say, it's not a lock that he goes to Ohio State. That's all we can say now. Right. He's not a lock for Ohio State. Is is this the first time in recent memory that we could actually, as an offensive coordinator, as a guy who is taking these prospects from the high school level and building them into something the NFL wants, is this the first time we can actually say that Lincoln Riley? has met his match because Ryan Day is pulling in recruits left and right. Yeah, but here's what we haven't seen from Ryan Day is the the, the development. What's Ryan mm-hmm. Day? I mean, because look, uh, if, if you... have been there long enough either, but, though. But, but the, the point you're making is if you want to go by just the, the way these guys are ranked when they go to go to college, then then you pick your coach from Texas because they've done better than than Lincoln Riley has at landing five-star talents and more mm-hmm. four-star guys. They they are almost perennially ahead 
of Oklahoma when it comes to those rankings, but what are they doing with them? Right. And that's why you got a guy in Austin, Texas on the hot seat, and you got a guy in Norman, Oklahoma, who basically writes his own ticket because of what he does with those guys when they get on campus, and we haven't seen that from Ryan Day yet. But I think the difference between the Big 12 and and the Big 10 has been the defensive side of the ball, whereas Ohio State has been a program that's prided themselves on the defensive line, and they've produced numerous playmakers Mm -hmm. at that position. We could even drop back linebacker as well, but before that, the only real offensive player that I can remember from Ohio State, okay, recent memory, recent memory, let me state that, was a guy like Troy Smith. No, come on. Come on what? You're going to say the Uh, only offensive guy you can remember from Ohio State is Troy Smith. Outside of running backs, Matt. Outside of running backs, really, really a guy like Troy Smith. That's that's 14 The years. starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins is from Ohio State. Who is it? Dwayne Haskins. Oh. I, 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 just, I, just, I, can't, I can't follow your line of logic you here. Don't, you don't have to. More, more production has come from the defensive side of the ball into the NFL, but the I development. Think, but look, it's, so, it's, it's the argument, though, is you're not – I don't think you're arguing talent as much as you're arguing – as much as you're arguing style of football. It's a lot easier when you line up and run off tackle left, or off tackle right, mm-hmm. and then occasionally throw on a play action. It's one thing to stop that defensively as opposed to stopping the spread. And we've no, talked and about I get this that. And with the SEC. I don't think those if, – if if the defenses in the Big Ten are that much better, how did Baker Mayfield go into Columbus and win? Here's here's what I know, though, Matt, is that – Because I'm pretty sure there's a Bosa kid on that defense. There was. You're absolutely right. But here's what I know is that Ohio State is really bringing that spread trend to the Big Ten, and they're setting the standard when it comes to that. Now you all of a sudden insert Ryan Day into that equation, and I see them being a formidable foe in pulling recruits from anywhere across the country, much like Lincoln Riley has done. Yes, and pulling in recruits. Yes, I'll give you that. I, and I, because I'm the one who's De- been... and it doesn't matter if they're committing or not. The interest is there when when recruits are releasing top fours, top tens, right. top whatever the number is. <laughs> it's very very rare at this point in time to see Ohio State and Oklahoma excluded from those lists. And and, and I'm I'm giving you all of that. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, because think about this: the two things I've said about Ohio State. And in, in past in past episodes, the two things I've said about Ohio State: number one, I don't think anybody's going to catch them recruiting. Right. And and number two, going into 2020, the clear cut two best teams in the nation are Ohio State and Clemson. So I'm I'm not disputing anything you're saying. Right. Other than I am just adding to this. Let's see about player development. Okay. Because you know what else Ryan Day has? A first round exit in the playoffs. And he was a favorite. So, I mean, let's... let's well, it really depends on who you ask <laughs> about the officiating no, I mean, look, in that game. You, I, anybody can make officiating right, argument. They right. lost that game. I don't care what you say about officiating. Anybody who loses can say something mm-hmm. about officiating. You lost the game. Right. You just, were a favorite. Me, you lost. To me, it just came down to experience. Who, who's been there before? It wasn't Ohio State with that specific roster okay i'm just i'm just making the point let's pump the brakes on on here's the other thing though on ryan day here's the other thing that and that needs to be addressed is ryan day is in the same mold i believe as um blanking on his name all of a sudden the guy that left baylor to go to the to matt Charlotte. rule yeah matt rule how did i forget that name matt rule ryan day are same guys i think ryan day ultimately wants to be an nfl guy so that's another thing to keep an eye on with, with Ryan Day. But you're right. The the Buckeyes trending really heavily in mm. recruiting. That's why if Egbuka comes to Oklahoma instead of going to Columbus, that's a big deal. That's a big win for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. Oh, you, you have something else? Or are you done no, with that? Okay. No, we're good. Well, I was going to say um, just real quick because we spent more time talking about that than I, than I actually thought we would. But Caleb Williams making his commitment on Saturday Oh, yeah, I, I thought going. you were going to jump in there. Um, keep going. Sorry. I, you know, I, I don't know who's going to commit with him. I really don't. I do think Coleman is 
is going to commit to the University of Oklahoma on Saturday be just because he said, hey, I'm committing on July 4th, and I think this kid's coming to Oklahoma. He will be the third receiver in this class, a very talented class of receivers. The only other guy that honestly I feel comfortable saying, I again, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but the only other name out there that's connected to Caleb Williams that I feel comfortable saying that I think is going to happen on Saturday is Latrell McCutcheon. I think he's the other guy that that comes in. And with that, the good thing about that is he's a defensive guy. He's the top cornerback in the state of Texas. And I love it when we get a player from Austin, Texas, to come to the University of Oklahoma just because they have that extra chip on their shoulder. You know, you think about guys like Baker Mayfield who grew up in that area, a Lake Travis guy, what Mayfield was. McCutcheon's going to come in, and I think he's just going to have that chip, you know, of being an, an Austin guy. But I, that's the only one. I mean, there, there's so many guys out there that are connected, like Abuka, like a Bryce Foster, you know, and I think Bryce Foster's coming to Oklahoma. I don't, I don't feel comfortable enough to say that I think he's going to commit on Saturday, but I feel pretty comfortable that Bryce Foster's coming to Oklahoma. Yeah, a lot of things can happen on Saturday. There are certainly a lot of names that are floating around out there that have some kind of a relationship, have some kind of a connection to Caleb Williams himself. I know that right now for Caleb Williams, the focus is not necessarily on recruiting other players or building this entourage, but it's being 100% certain in his decision. This is something that fans across the nation have followed for quite some time due to the weekly blog that was sponsored or put out by Sports Illustrated. And so when it finally comes to fruition, I I know there might be a little bit of heartbreak for people who haven't been following extremely heavily and are more just a casual fan and aren't expecting Oklahoma to, to run away with this sweepstakes. But ultimately there's a number of guys that will break some people's hearts when, when they do commit, because we don't have as solid of information. Matt, you've labeled Caleb Williams as the the worst kept secret. It's easy to jump on board with that kind of a statement, but I'm looking at the guys like a Tristan Lee, who I believe could commit as well. And I don't think that he has really given out any information that pegs him as an Oklahoma guy at this point in time. No, I I do. I agree with Tristan Lee, but I don't think he's going to be a 4th of July guy. I could be wrong. He he may not be. It it could be as, as many as five, it's five commitments on 4th of July. I actually sat down. I was like, okay, I'm going to map this out and I'm going to write these. I'm going to pre-write these things because it's 4th of July, right? Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what this guy's going to do. I don't know what this guy's going to do. Um, the two that I'm really, really confident are Keon Coleman and, and Caleb Williams. Guys like Tristan Lee, guys like Bryce Foster. I think McCutcheon's a good possibility for Saturday. But beyond those three, I don't know that I can comfortably say, boom, this is going to happen on Saturday. We've got a few more thoughts on Caleb Williams, plus a couple of other recruiting tidbits that we got to talk about here as well. Okay, so Caleb Williams, 8 o'clock Central Time, going to make his announcement on July 4th. We know it's going to be Oklahoma, Maryland, or LSU. And and again, the worst kept secret in college football right now is Caleb Williams is coming to the University of Oklahoma. And you just you just look at it. You you look at LSU, they've already got their guy for 2020. Maryland got baby Tua to to uh transfer there. It just I mean, it just everything makes sense. So here's here's my question for you, Rich. What is your shock value? <laughs> your, how how on, on a scale of one to ten? Where are you going to be if Caleb Williams says someplace other than the University of Oklahoma it's, Saturday night? It's going to be about a 10. About a 15? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and really, Matt, that that's because of what we've heard leading up to this point in time. It also coincides with the fact that Lincoln Riley has tweeted out several pairs of eyes that have, have yet to mm-hmm. be accounted for at this point in time. What the word that I heard when I began sharing articles on social media was that Caleb Williams was a silent commit. Now right. I can neither confirm nor deny that because I'm not the one with the insider knowledge on it, but I, I'm choosing to believe what these individuals have said to me because it wasn't just a single individual who had typed that out in a reply about Caleb Williams setting that commitment date. Needless to say, if those things are true and everyone's saying he's a silent commit and then he chooses 
another school on the list, say LSU, at this point in time, I, I would be utterly shocked. Yes, a 15, easy. Yeah, I think those one of those two sets of eyeball emojis that are out there, I honestly believe one of them is Caleb Williams, and I think the other one is Latrell McCutcheon, who had been committed to Alabama, comes to Oklahoma for a visit, decommits from Alabama right after that visit. I, I think that's the other set of eyeballs there. Um, so some, some news on Caleb Williams, though, outside of the fact that he's going to be making a commitment on Saturday is that he just finished up the Elite 11 Finals uh, this the quarterback competition that's done over the summer where he was named the MVP of that competition. So Oklahoma, you know, everybody talks about Caleb Williams, the 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 athlete and Caleb Williams, the quarterback, Caleb Williams, the leader. But I, I don't think you can overlook Caleb Williams, the competitor, because the Elite 11, it's something that these guys look forward to. They're, they're, they they want to compete against the best quarterbacks in their class. They want to have that that one-on-one time with, with, with college guys and with um, some of the pro guys that are there, but they, they want to come and they want to win that competition. And the fact that Kenneth Williams said ahead of time, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win here. And he goes and does just that. It, It shows to the competitive nature that he has. And so much so that, you know, they, they said that the only, the only guy that looked better on that opening day of the Elite 11 Finals, the only guy who looked better than Caleb Williams who was on the field that day was Justin Fields, the starting quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's how good Caleb Williams looked at the Elite 11 Finals. Now, I do know that during the Elite 11, there was also news coming out that there were times where you could see that frustration on Caleb Williams that did eventually come into play as it manifested itself in productivity and accuracy, things of of that nature. But you can't argue with the fact that a lot of that does come from that competitive nature. As you've mentioned, guys want to win. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not something where you've been invited to the elite 11 and you're, you're satisfied being there. You want to take home the prize I know MVP for for Caleb Williams is a big to do for any high school quarterback, and the fact that he's he's still uncommitted at this point in time is, of course, only going to draw more and more eyes. Well, and for a couple other nuggets of information out here for recruiting, because it uh, it never fails. It's just it's the mindset right now. I think of the Oklahoma fan base as seeing how far this defense has dropped. That anytime you say anything about Offensive recruiting, you're going to get the, on social media, you're going to get that. what about the defense? Does he play defense? If he can't tackle, we don't need him. You, you get that mindset. And so here's the thing. Listen, Oklahoma fan, if this is you, you need to start paying attention because this is a very heavy defensive class that Alex Grinch is developing. And there will be defensive guys that come in with Caleb Williams, but there's a couple of other guys that are, that are really, really top talent guys. And one of them is defensive end Kelvin Gillum. And in Oklahoma, they are stockpiling defensive ends. That that lets you know where where their priority is. Right now, their priority is revamping this defensive front. And we're talking about a kid who is a four-star prospect, 6'3, 250 pounds. He can play inside or outside. Uh, on the defensive line, he's the number four prospect out of the state of Virginia, and he just released his top ten, and that includes Oklahoma. Now, sometimes when we th- when we hear location, oh, he's from Virginia. Now we're used to guys coming out of Texas and Florida and California, these kind of hotbed recruiting top talent type guys. Well, Gillum has thirty nine scholarship offers. If you want to know what the what the quality of this player is. 39 scholarship offers. Now he's narrowed those offers down to Minnesota, Florida, Virginia Tech, Cal, LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina, Texas, Penn State, and Oklahoma. And it looks like not not only is Oklahoma in on his top 10, it also looks like Oklahoma is one of the favorites along with Penn State. Now there's another guy, and you know me, I'm, I'm really bad on names. 
But if if there's a guy who's better at at developing talent at the University of Oklahoma, if there's a guy better than Lincoln Riley, it's Bill Bedenboe and what he does with offensive linemen and a top a top fifty player from the state of California. I, I'm going to try this name, and um, I mean, look, people tell me all the time, Matt, you got to learn names, you got to learn names. Okay, tell me how to say it. Noah Pueli. No, Pu'ali'i. No, no. Pu'ali'i. No, no, no. Pu- it's it's, Pu- it's Samoan. Pu'ali'i. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing it. I, I mean, again, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to get Neela Kasatati's name down when he came? The last, <laughs> He's the last Samoan type guy that I can think of that OU had. But 6'4", uh, six, six, 300-pound offensive guard. He's from Salinas, California. Uh, he's, he's whittled his 19 scholarship offers down to six. Uh, Florida, UCLA, Utah, Cal. Arizona State and the University of Oklahoma, uh, number twenty-two guard prospect in the recruiting class, and the number forty-seven overall player from the state of California. Um, I mean, look, there's there's still possibilities, and I, I guess what I'm saying this is twofold. Number one, it's it's news, but number two, it it just drives home the fact that Oklahoma's twenty twenty-one recruiting doesn't end after Saturday. Saturday is going to be a boost for this team. Like Mario Williams is saying, you're going to see them jump up in the rankings after Saturday. It's going to boost this team, but it's not going to be the end. There's still a lot of guys out there that the Sooners are going after. When it comes to Gilliam, the one thing that I did want to point out here, you're saying that Penn State as as well as Oklahoma seem to be the front runners. I think there's a great need for weak side defensive end. There's a priority. Let me say it that Mm -hmm. way. There's a priority being placed on weak side defensive end from both of these universities. I do like the fact that Gilliam did go in into depth on his top 10 very quickly in three sentences or less breaking down each of the schools, the relationships. You can tell which schools have really made an impact because he mentions names in association with specific universities. Now, that's not exclusive to Oklahoma. It's not exclusive to Penn State. It includes other schools such as Texas, South Carolina, and a handful of others that he mentions names with. But here's what what I like is that Oklahoma has an extremely good track record after getting kids on campus. Mm-hmm. They, Whatever they do during those visits... During those official visits, they've been able to make an impression that sticks with these recruits for quite some time. And the one thing that I know about Gilliam is that he's not going to commit. A decision will not come until he has the ability to visit however many schools he's going to visit at this point in time, whether officially or unofficially. I do know that that list will probably get narrowed down after some unofficial visits, not just these virtual tours that are going on, but get this kid on campus. Oklahoma should be in the top five. Whether they actually secure a signature from him, a letter of intent is a different story, but I I do think they'll be in the hunt all the way until the end. Well, the only, the only thing I'm going to say to that is we, we felt the same way about NRK and he did an, a virtual visit and that was, that was enough to sell him. Um, so, um, and I'm just, I'm going off of what he's comes out of his mouth, right? but I mean, a decision will be made after I make visits. So whenever they open that stuff back up, I get it. Cause everybody, Um, everybody wants to know a date. Everybody wants a timetable mm -hmm. and And, not every recruit is ready to give one of those. And I'm I'm not for sure that Gilliam is going to play. I don't think he's going to be your traditional weak side defensive end just because of his size and his ability to, I mean, he's he's a kid that's at 250 as a high school kid, and when you look at Oklahoma, already has two weak side. Not uncommon. Well, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm well, kidding. Think about think about from this perspective. The Sooners already have two weak side defensive ends in this class already committed. You got Clayton Smith and you got Ethan Downs. Ethan Downs is at 240. Clayton Smith's 220. Matt, that was more more of a joke because I feel like. I could walk around here at 250. I may not look good doing it. <laughs> well, and I certainly didn't approach that in high yeah. school. I just, I just think there's going to be, there's going to be, they're, they're going to have fun with this kid if he comes to the University of Oklahoma. All right, the last thing we're going to do uh, before we close out the the podcast is we're going to give our predictions three guys that we feel could be all American status at the end of the season not named Creed Humphrey or Gabe Burkage. 
right? Yes. You know, one more, one more thought. We're, we're going to have some fun here in just a second as we try to make some predictions as far as guys go on the uh, All-American status. But one, one thing I wanted to throw out here, just a final thought on, on recruiting, because we, we talked about NRK, Nathan Rollins-Kabong. Um, do, you, do you know who could be maybe one of the biggest benefactors of Lincoln Riley and his staff's recruiting this year? I do. Who is that? And it's because you and I have had these conversations previously. It's Lon Kruger. Yeah, because Kian <laughs> Coleman has said he wants to play college basketball. And he's a pretty he's a pretty salty basketball player as well. And he he has said, he's on the record, I my basketball career is not over. I want to be a two sport guy. And so there's there's zero chance that that Kruger is going to take NRK, who was a high you know, a high profile football recruit, but also a legitimate basketball recruit. There's no chance he's taking him and then going to give Coleman the boot, who is a, the exact same mold, a high-profile football recruit and a legitimate basketball recruit. Lon Kruger just could automatically see a boost in his numbers. And now, if you're if you're the if you're the walk-on guy, you're probably going, oh, come on, you know, because you're you're going to give up the walk-on spot. Now it's going to go to a football player. So, you, so, so imagine you're the walk-on guy, okay? You're the James Fraschilla type guy. And and so you get to play on those, you know, you get to go through camp in October and do those late October non uh, those uh, scrimmage type games. And then you get to play the early part of the season in November and December. But as soon as Big 12 play hits, you don't get to be on that bench anymore because there's this giant defensive end who's transitioned from the football locker room into the basketball locker room. And, right. and he's twice your size, both in vertically and horizontally. Um, I mean, that's just what's going to happen to these walk-on guys. But it is pretty cool. We're going to see a good bump for Lon Kruger. Absolutely. Okay, I, I didn't know if you had more to say about that or not. No, I couldn't. I, t- I'm, I'm having a hard time reading facial expressions yeah, today. Because you know, I have, have to tilt my head down since my microphone's really low today but that that's beside the point one of the things matt that that i've really hoped under lon kruger is that he would be able to establish himself here in the big 12 as as one of the better challengers to the perennial dominance that kansas has put out Mm -hmm. on the floor these are things that certainly help because an athlete is an athlete no matter how you spell it an athlete still yes because i know it's been misspelled numerous times Maybe not by myself, but others. Um, an athlete's an athlete, how, however you want to spell that. And when you can add guys who immediately add depth, who add length on the floor, you'll take them any time that you can in an attempt, especially if you can get them for three years. Mm-hmm. If their future's in football, you know you've got the three years with them to develop them and, and mold them into the player that you want to be. We've seen what Long Kruger can do with a four-year guy in a buddy healed who showed up on campus, not underrated, but not necessarily a, a highly touted guy, not, not a guy like Trey young status. Okay. Yeah. But we easily saw him work his way into that, the lottery picks. And now he's having quite a career in the NBA. It's a lot of it has to do with confidence. I get that. A lot of that is the development in just utilizing the skills that are there, but then building onto them. And I think Lon Kruger is good at that. So, Anytime you can take an athlete, you'll take one. Uh, no doubt. I, I, you know, I think Lon Kruger's probably sitting back in his office smiling and, and writing thank you cards to Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley uh, for helping him boost that part of his program. Okay, so let's have some fun with this. Here we go. Closing it out. Um, like it's, it's a no-brainer. When you, when you talk about potential All-Americans, you've got two guys right now that are preseason All-Americans, Creed Humphrey and Gabe Burkich. Um you know, Humphrey is that guy that's going to be most likely a first-round draft pick next year in the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, he's the anchor of this offensive line at the center position. And then Burkich, I mean, the guy was perfect. Perfect on all of his kicks. 52 extra points, 17 field goals. As a freshman. As a Let, freshman. Let's not forget, yeah. as a freshman. Um, so those are two guys that are not eligible for this conversation because they're kind of the duh, no-brainer type guys, okay? So beyond that, Rich, let's let's alternate, you and I. Let's talk about guys who could be All-Americans at the end of the season, and let's see if we have any of the same 
trains of thought because sometimes I've noticed that we're either usually kind of right in the same groove or we're polar opposites when we kind of do lists like this. So I'm going to let you go first, my friend. I'm I'm going to go ahead and throw out the name that I do believe we both have on this list. It's at the running back position. It shouldn't come as any surprise. Kennedy Brooks, 2018, a pro football focus, second team All-American. He's warranted. He has the talent that warrants All-American type status. However, we know that he's played oftentimes behind a mobile quarterback. Not that that's going to change, but Jalen Hurts was a different kind of mobile quarterback than I I think what Kennedy Brooks was <laughs> really expecting to play behind there in 2019 without a legitimate number two and Ramondre Stevenson, who is serving out the suspension, the five game suspension at the beginning of the season. We do know that there's going to be an uptick. We've mentioned it in carries, but also in yards per carry yards per game across the board those numbers will rise kennedy brooks i think once again eclipses the 1000 yard rushing mark which again makes him a prime candidate because of that productivity because he is a he can be a every down back but again that productivity we're going to see him rise up through these rankings and essentially begin to to turn heads for that all-american status yeah i think kenny brooks is the 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 second are the third really no-brainer easy pick here. Um, back-to-back years with a thousand yards or more rushing, uh, and you talked about those mobile quarterbacks, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts that he's played behind. Still, and and I, th- I don't think anybody. If you say Kennedy Brooks was underused in 2019, I don't think there's going to be a long line of people who want to argue that point with you. He has a career yards per carry average of 7.5. And I think 2020, he's probably going to have a career season and the number of carries. And that definitely sets him up to be um, All-American potential, in my opinion. All right, so keeping up with our traditional format of alternating, I'm going to go with my number two guy. And I'm staying in the backfield, and that's going to be Jeremiah Hall. Jeremiah Hall is a guy that um, I think could be a breakout star this season. And, and a lot of it is going to be because of trust and it's going to be because of a new quarterback, but it's just going to be because Lincoln Riley is a master at finding the mismatches. And Jeremiah Hall is going to be a mismatch on a lot of levels. He's going to be a fullback H back type guy. He's averaging last season playing all 14 games, 11.4 yards per reception. That's over the last two seasons. He's he's going to be as as they break in a young crop of receivers. He's going to be a veteran guy who can block, who can run, who can get out on the back out of the backfield on a on a pattern. This kid's I think is going to score a lot of touchdowns. I do I do agree with you, and I think that's a really good pick. You look at Calcaterra retiring from the game of football. You look at Austin Stogner being essentially that that kind of a replacement at the tight end position and the inexperience that you've mentioned. I really like that pick, but I'm going to go a different direction here. And I'm going to stick with the offensive line, which means we could have two All-Americans coming off of the offensive line as you make faces. Well, I'm making faces because we may have two of the same guys. Oh, as you make faces at me is all I was going to say. I actually went with... Um, my gut instinct is not to go with this guy. My gut instinct said Adrian Ely, but I've chosen to go with Marquise Hayes. Did you have Ely on your list? We'll find out. <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> I did go with Marquise Hayes. One of the reasons why is I believe that he's kind of like a lion in a cage who that cage just hasn't been opened for him at this point in time. We saw him redshirt 2017, very limited role in 2019. And then he took over and started 13 games in 2019 as that confidence builds, as his confidence grows. I think that he's certainly going to be one of the more dominant players along the offensive line combined with the fact that he was a one year varsity player in high school before all the offers started started coming in. So kind of remind, I, reminds you of a, of an offensive version of NRK. Right. And so I'm looking at, at, at Marquise Hayes and I'm saying there's a nasty streak there, but someone's going to have to pull that out of him or he's going to have to just dig in and, and be the type of player that we know he can be. Now, when he lives up to his potential, I do believe he's, he's all American caliber. There's a lot of good offensive lines though across the country. And so it is going to be stiff competition. I recognize that. 
Well, there's a lot of good offensive lines across the country, but there's only one Bill Biedenboe. And and think about what – here's what Oklahoma fans need to be prepared for for this offensive line. They've got five guys worth returning starting experience. Do you know how many of those five guys are going to be seniors? Zero. One. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, re- I really I mean, thought it was zero the no, way you set me it, up. It's one. I, I, so, I mean, th- these are guys that Bill Bimbo has been working with, like, a, you know, the Creed Humphrey, who's going into his third year as a starter, and he's still not a senior. And so this offensive line, you're right. There's a lot of good offensive lines across the country, but this is the Oklahoma has the best offensive line coach, and he's been developing guys. This is going to be a nasty offensive line in 2020. All right, give me your number three. You didn't give me your number two. Yeah, I did. My number two was Jeremiah Hall. Oh, my bad. Number three, then, for me, um, I'm going to switch sides of the ball here. Look at the defensive. I don't, li- I don't like this pick. Just I, you know I don't either, but it's a, okay, you don't know where I'm going. Okay, you we'll, think, we'll find it. Okay. You think you All know right. where I'm going. Um, I'm actually looking at a guy who has a lot of potential. Unrealized potential, I think, at this point in time, and that's going to be Jalen Redmond. Jalen Redmond okay. has not really entered that starting role at this point in time, but despite not entering that starting role, he led the team in sacks with six and a half. Mm-hmm. Four starts for Redmond. I think you increase that playing time. Of course, those numbers go up. We saw what's what you can do from the position, especially given the dominance that a guy like a Chase Young showed. I'm not saying that Jalen Redmond is the next Chase Young, but I'm saying he's got a lot of potential. He's very athletic and he can make things happen and make people move on that defensive line. He's he's definitely a guy to watch. I think a lot of people who are Oklahoma Sooners fans or even people in the Big 12 would peg Jalen Redmond as that guy to watch. But I think, again, you're just wanting potential here. You, you asked me the question, who could potentially right. become an All-American? Of all the defenders on this Oklahoma Sooners roster, Jalen Redmond's not my first pick, but he's my only pick who will play the entire season. Right, and and that's that's where I thought you were going. I, I like the Jalen Redmond, Redmond pick. It makes sense to me. It's it's a good it's good talking points and it's logic. The the guy who's the best option is Ronnie Perkins. Right, and and initially, Matt, that is who I. Before, I we, you off the ledge before there. we recorded this, you talked me off the ledge because he was on the list. And and given the, the five-game suspension, I, I'm hoping some way, somehow, that those suspensions are reduced. All of Sooner Nation is hoping that, but it's not likely. <laughs> You're right. And so maybe my hopes had clouded my judgment. Yes, I removed him from my, my initial list and replaced him with Jalen Redmond. Yeah, Ronnie Perkins, um, 13 and a half tackles for loss last season. I mean, the, the kid has a lot of potential, high motor. He's fast. He's, I mean, he he's everything you want, but he's going to be suspended for, looks like, five games. And that's, it's hard to be an All-American and miss five games. It's hard to be an All-American and miss half of the season. Um, uh, that's just, now, now there's hope here if they, I, I don't know. It's kind of a catch-22. If they end up shortening the season and take away the three non-conference games, does that mean that these guys are only going to be suspended for two games? Or does it still, you know, if you take away those three non- non-conference games and you got nine games left in your season, do you miss five of the nine games? Because that would really stink, you know? Um, my number three guy, I'm going back to the offensive line because I, I have high, high hopes for this offensive line. Um and I'm going with the guy that you mentioned, Adrian Ely. Uh, he started 12 games last season at the right tackle. He was second-team all-conference selection last season. Um, I, I think this kid, uh, this is going to be, I, I, I can't say it any other way, this is going to be a very good, a very experienced, and a very nasty offensive line. And when we're talking about position rankings like we've been doing on the website and like we've been doing in our podcast, and you look at the quarterback spot and you see Oklahoma's got a lot of talent, but you just can't logically put them at number one in the quarterback spot. You look at the running back spot and you see Oklahoma's got a lot of talent, but you can't really put them at number one in the running back spot when you got a guy like Chuba Hubbard in this conference. Same thing with wide receiver. You see a lot of talent there, but you can't logically put Oklahoma at number one. What's going to make Oklahoma different from anybody else in this conference is these five offensive linemen. They will be dangerous. They will be they will be destructive. They're going to play that typical 
Bill Beatenbow nastiness and why you don't have Chuba Hubbard. You have a really, really, really good Kennedy Brooks who averaged more yards per carry than Chuba Hubbard behind an offensive line that returns five guys. Chuba Hubbard is behind an offensive line that returns two guys. Big, big difference there. And that's that's where I think Oklahoma sets themselves apart from the rest of the Big 12. When you look at the contenders, Iowa State, I really believe that Iowa State could contend to win the Big 12 championship this year. But they've got to find four offensive linemen to replace four starters they lost from last year. Texas is down two. They're, they're down their starting center from last year and another guy. The Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be a difference maker this year. And because of that, you, you've got Creed Humphrey, you've got Adrian Ely, you've got Marquise Hayes. These guys are going to make a strong case for All-American status. They're going to be on the Remington War to watch list, and they could be up again for that Roy Moore Award. And so that's going to be something that's fun to watch this season with this team. That's going to wrap it up for us. Another episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Again, we'd love to have you um, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to us. Thank you so much. You can hit us up on Twitter at, Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter, or you can find us on the web, heartland-sports.com. We'd always appreciate an email, heartland underscore sports at Yahoo. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>